We're actually at the bottom line of Laman Chetam and Bet, so I'll just read it out loud. You don't have to turn back the page. The Gemara was discussing cooked vegetables, right? That's been the theme of this chapter, is what blessings do you make on different foods, like fruits and vegetables and bread and cakes, soups and fruit juices. Everything has been discussed in this chapter so far. So the thing that we left off with, again, we were talking about cooked vegetables, and then we talked about salted olives. So we stated that on salted olives, according to Biachron, the bracha will be ha'etz, and afterwards the bracha will be berchat me'en shalosh. So the Gemara has a question, again, just on the bottom line of the previous summit, how do you make a bracha? It's, it seems like, how do you make a bracha achrona on the salted olive? Kiva shakila ligrini. Once you take the seed out of the olive, which apparently that's what you would do when you would eat an olive, you wouldn't eat the seed. Shu'ura. So now on the top line, Lamatat of an olive, you, are, you would now have less than an olive. So the Gemara is asking a very simple question. In order to make a bracha achrona, you have to have a kezais of food, right? Because it says, achila. It has to be a proper eating. Eating is only with a kezait. And once you take out the seed of an olive, you obviously have less than a kezait, right? When we say kezait, what do we mean? The size of an olive. And if you take out the seed, you're going to have less than the, si- the size of an olive. So, do you need a large olive? Because all we need is an average size olive. And the olive which they salted in front of Rabbi Yochan, it was a large olive. Even though they took out the seed, we still had the proper share. The olive that we said, meaning every time we say that you have to have a shere, we're not talking about a small olive or a big olive. Rather an average olive. What's the, or median olive? What's the median olive? aguri. This is known as the aguri olive. It's not called aguri. avruti It's called avruti. The point being is that this is the median olive. aguri. Why would it be called an aguri? Because it's you know it's oil. The juice basically was gathered inside and it was kind of ready uh, to be squeezed out. So basically what we have over here is an important Gemara, which is telling us that the proper shiur for a bracha achrona on any food, if you want to make an after blessing, is going to have to be that you ate at least a kezayit, and not, doesn't, not a small kezayit, and not a big kezayit, rather an average, median-sized kezayit. Now the Tosot is an amazing Tosot, uh, we're not going to read it inside, but he says about seven halachot that like, are very important. First of all, he says, the whole thing that you need a shear, it's only for your bracha achrona. You don't need a shear for bracha rishona. I mean, if you're going to make shahakola burp your eights, then in, even if you're eating a very small amount, the whole concept of a kezait is only for the bracha achrona. He also mentions here that if you're drinking something, you need a drink in order to make a bracha achrona on drinks. What's the shiur? He says a male lugmav, right? Which is usually, let's say, rov revia. Tosot is the first one to say that. Before Tosot, it doesn't say it in any Gemara. So Tosot says that when one drinks uh, any drink, you should be careful to drink a male lugmav. You should be careful. So why should you be careful? Because it sounds like Tosot was not clear what the proper, proper shiur for bracha achrona is for drinks. So Tosu says you should be careful to always drink a malik lugumov, and that way you for sure have to um, make a bracha achrona. Tosu also says that 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 you need, a proper shir for bracha achrona, is only for foods. 
Meaning, for, in other words, he quotes a read that says that anything that you make a burn of fashotan, you don't need a shir. Because a burn of fashot is not a real bracha. So even if you drink a little, let's say you take a little, you take a, in other words, you only need malalukma for things like wine. But if you're drinking water that only requires a burn of fashot, and it says tosot even a little bit. We don't rule like that, of course. We say even burn of fashot is going to need a shir. So these are some of the chidushim. He actually says more than that. Maybe I'll get to it at the end of this year. Continues the Gemara. Neymar ketanoi. Let's say that this whole thing of whether uh, cooked vegetables requires a, br- a bracha like a regular fruit, hadama, let's say it's a dispute. Again, cooked vegetables. There were two students sitting in front of Barakapara. They brought before them three fruits. Three foods. What are the three fruits? Kuruv, which is cabbages. Durmiskin, which is some sort of vegetable. Upargiot. Mazapargiot. Yeah, chicken. Yeah, like, yeah, like cooked, cooked chicken. Piece of chicken. So the problem over here is going to be what, do, what's the, what has precedence over here? What do you make a bracha on first? Okay, what do you make a bracha on first? Do you first make a bracha on the cabbages, on the durmiskin, or the pargiot? Okay? What's the proper blessing? Now, every, the, the general rule at least what we assume, is that the bracha, which is more specific, goes first. Meaning shahakal, which is like always the general bracha, that's all the way at the end. But if you let's say you have a hadama and shahakal, then you're going to want to proceed with your ha'adama. That's going to be the assumption of the Gemara. So let's see what it says. Nasan bar reshut said, who wants to make the blessing for everyone? So kafat subarach, somebody jumped and grabbed the opportunity to make a bracha for everyone. And what did he choose to make a bracha on first? Al-hapargiyot. He made it on the chicken first. Ligleg Allah Chavero, his friends started to laugh at him. Okay? So why are they laughing at him? They're laughing at him because they assumed that the dormiskin, which is the herbs, which is a vegetable, should, you should have made a bracha first on that. So as we will see, these vegetables were cooked. So it says, Akas Barkapara, Barkapara was upset. Omar, and he says, I'm not upset at the person who made a blessing. Rather, I'm upset at the people who made fun of him. If your friend is like someone who never tasted meat in his life, meaning for him, the basar is very chaviv, right? This is basically what the Gemara is going to get into, that if something is more beloved to you, you're more excited to eat one specific food, then perhaps that blessing will have precedence over the other food. So maybe it makes sense that meat goes first. So, or chicken, you know, even though the bracha is shahakol. Again, the Gemara will explain. And atam, amaliglosa. So what are you guys laughing at? And then Chazav Amr, and then he went and he basically, not retracted, but he made a second point. I'm not upset at the people who laughed. Rather, I'm upset at the people who made the bracha. The guy who made the bracha. And he said, Right? Is there no one wise over here? Meaning, he should have asked me, Rashi says. There's an older, wiser person over here. He should have asked me what proper... What should you first make a blessing on? Should you first make a blessing on the chicken or on the vegetables? So he seems to be upset at both people, right? He's upset at the people for laughing that, uh, you know, that there is a reason why you would have made a bracha on chicken first because, again, maybe he held that it's chavit. But on the other hand, you should have asked me and therefore it's not proper that you assumed what the halacha would be, again, without taking advantage of my presence. So the Gemara will now explain. Ushneim lohotziyu, sorry, Tana ushneim lohotziyu shenasan. Tana, one second, I missed that. 
So both of them, what's that saying? My love, meaning in other words, both of them did not, I don't know what this is saying. One oh, right, 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 they both died, exactly. Both of them did not live out the year. In other words, both the people that left, right, exactly, and both the person who made the blessing, not in its place, meaning you should have asked, Right, exactly. They didn't live out the year. My love, Let us assume that this is the machlokas. What is the machlokas between the person who made the blessing and the people who laughed at him? The person who made the blessing held shlokos upargiot, the cooked vegetables. Again, remember, the cabbage is for sure shahakol, right? That, that at least that's what we said yesterday, because it's usually eaten cooked. So the cabbage will be shahakol. So you have the dormis skin and the chicken which presumably should be Hadam and Shehakol, but we're saying the Mevarech held that Shalkos Upargiot Shehakol Nebedvaro, that cooked vegetables will turn into Shehakol. Helkach, therefore, the Mevarech made a bracha on the chicken. Chaviv Adiv, he held that what is most beloved to him as precedence. Umelag Lake Savar, and those that made fun of him Savar, they held that Shalkos Parpiyadama, Upargiot Shehakol Nebedvaro. They all that the cooked vegetables are going to be bapriyadam and the chicken will be shakol. Helkach, therefore, per adav. Therefore, the food is going to have a precedence because, again, like what we mentioned, any time you have a bracha which is more specific, then that one will always go first. That one will always take precedence before the other one. So says the Gemara, lo. So right now we're saying the machlokis is really whether cooked vegetables is shakol adama. If it's shakol, then chaviv adav. But if it's adama, then adama will, again, be adiv. Everyone holds it, it changes to Ashakol. And they're having a separate machlokas. One held a chaviv wins. Why design? Some all know that cabbage actually should go first. Design, because apparently kruv has the ability to satiate more than all the other things mentioned here, and therefore that should have been before everything, meaning that should have been before the pargiot and the durbiskin, because again, it is Zion, it satiates. And apparently when something satiates, they thought that therefore the bracha on that food should go first. Fine. So that's... What? Well, no, so, well, well, no, so now we're saying no. Now we're saying everything shakov. Because, again, the cabbage, uh, according to the Gemara, was not eaten raw. So, so, yeah, that's what we saw yesterday. But now, nowadays, you're right, nowadays cabbage is, is ha'adama. Times of the Gemara, cabbage was eaten raw, was not eaten raw, therefore it was not shakov in its raw state. Um, fine. So that's, so that's the end of that Gemara. Now just halacha lamaisa, we do come out that cooked vegetables are always going to be ha'adama. Unless, you know, unless they're um, n- never eaten uh, cooked, and basically by cooking them, you ruin the vegetables. So if you could think of an example, that would be helpful. Fine. Amar Reb Zera. Reb Zera never gives any proofs or sources from Chavid and Zion? Not really. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come up later, but I don't, it's, it's not like Pesukim sources. It's just more Svara. It's, it's uh, just a logic. Amar Reb Zera. Ki avina beirufuna, when bairufuna, Amar Lan, he told us, Hani gargalidi delifta. What are gargalidi delifta? Turnip heads, okay? So what is the bracha of turnip heads? So he says, perimino perima, if you cut it into big pieces, right? Prima rabba to big pieces, bar pradama. 
it's going to be bar perdama. Prima zuta, very small pieces. Apparently, if you cut it into such small pieces, you literally ruin uh, this uh, uh, vegetable, and it turns into shakol yebdevaro. It actually turns into shakol, which is interesting because, as we had earlier, the mashed fruits um, still retains its original bracha. But here, when it's cut down into very small pieces, it's, it loses its bracha. So it's a bit, it's a bit strange why that would be, right? Mashed fruits, we said yesterday, retains its bracha. But this thing, which you again, it's, could be, it seems like specific to turnip heads. You somehow cut it, you diced it uh, again to such small pieces that Rashi says griusahi um, that you've really minimized it. Uh, you, you've worsened the vegetable and therefore loses its bracha. Says the Yehuda, when we brought it to Yehuda, Amarlani told us, Idividi bar He said, No, no, no such thing. They're both piyadama. And that you cut it up, that was only in order that, you know, it should, it should be sweet. The you know, smaller you cut it, the less bitter it is. And someone said, You see from here that marur. If you have, you know, a, a bitter herb in front of you, you shouldn't cut it to two small pieces because you see from this Gemara, the more you cut it, the sweeter it gets or the less bitter it gets. That is, yeah, that, that, that's also a possibility. Amr Vashi, Kavita Be'raf Kahana, Amr Lani told us, Tavshilim de Silkam, if you have some sort of beet stew, L'dolam Mavshi Ba'kimchen, you don't put in a lot of flour, Ba'priyadama. The lifter, the Mavshi Ba'kimchatve, but if you have some, uh, sorry, the lifter, which is back to that turnip, where apparently you would put in a lot of flour, then and the bracha would be mizonot. No, in the, these stews, the bracha will always be hadama. Aye, when you have a mizonot, that should be the ikar. That that you put in a lot of flour was only lidvuki ba'alma. You only did it to bind the beets together or bind the lifta together. It was used as an adhesive. And therefore, uh, since it wasn't used for taste, it'll retain the bracha of hadama and the mezonot doesn't become an ikar. Right? This is the, the Twizzler example we gave that Twizzlers also have wheat you know, inside of them, but because they only use lidavek, they only use to again bind it together, so, and it's not used for taste, so the bracha will still be ha'adama, even though there is mezonot inside. Again, lidavke ba'alma, abdullah. Amr v'chizda. Tavshel shel tardin, right? So tavshel shel tardin. Wait, tardin is not beets. What are tardin? Wait, tardin are beets, no? Silk is also beets. What are tardin? Yafal alev. It's good for, I think it's also beets. Yafal alev is good for the heart. V'tov le'inayim. And it's also good for the eyes. V'kol shekein le'inayim me'ayim. And it's for sure good for the stomach, okay? Maybe it's a carrot. What? No, no, I think, one second. Tavshel shel tardin is, I'll tell you in a moment. Tavshel shel tardin is a dish of cooked beets. Yeah, okay, good. I was just not sure why sulka and tardin. Okay, they both mean beets. So again, uh, you have uh, cooked beets. Yafal lev is good for the heart. Tov le'inayim is good for the eyes. V'kol shekein le'inayim me'ayim. Okay, fine. Amar Baya, Vahudi Yasiv, very, very interesting, like it's kind of a hard line to read, but it says Amar Baya, that it's only if the Yasiv Abay Tapi, that you leave it on top of the stove, Vahavit Tuch Tuch, you leave it on the stove long enough that it makes the sound of Tuch Tuch, right? That basically it's, it's cooking for so long that once you hear that sound, then you, meet, then you know that it's been cooked enough. And um, again, we're talking about the Korasi Chasar, Rashi says, referring to that boiling sound. So again, you keep it on the fire long enough where the boiling sound is making, again, the boiling is making the sound, then you know it's time to eat the beet stew. Amr Papa, Pshitalim, it's obvious to me, Mayad the Soko Kisoko, Mayad the Lifta the Lifta, 
Very important Gemara. Gemara says, Water of beets is like beets. Water of turnip is like turnip. And water of all vegetables is like all vegetables. Comma. So what's this Gemara saying? This Gemara is saying is a beet soup will retain the original bracha. Meaning you throw a beet in a soup. Yeah. And then the water, maya de soka, the water of the beets, gets the taste of the soka, it retains its brachav v'adama. Now the all the Rishonim ask a very basic question over here, is that we learned yesterday that fruit juice, vegetable juice, loses its bracha. So what's the, what? Juices. In other words, you take, when you extract the juice from the fruit or the vegetable, you're going to lose the bracha. So the question is, why is the soup different than the case of... Yes, yeah, so what does it get the bracha? It's a very basic question. However you answer the question, that's going to determine many different halachot. So for example, the, maybe the simplest answer is the rajba. The rajba says that it depends if it's the type of food which you would generally you know, turn into a soup, then you would make, then it would retain its bracha. But if that wasn't a normal thing to do, like he says all the cases of juices, the case of juices was not a normal thing to do with the fruit, then it loses its bracha. So according to him, it has nothing to do with the taste or a soup or a juice. It all has to do with, this, this is a normal thing to do. Do you normally take oranges and squeeze them for juice? And because you don't, let's say, then it loses its bracha. But soup, these are very normal way to eat the vegetables. It's not abnormal. And therefore, it still has the original uh, bracha. That's one answer. So like, according to the Rashba, it comes out that our orange juice uh, should probably be heights because Tropicana plants its own orange fields in order to produce their oranges. So according to Rajba, for sure, uh, our oranges will go to be a bracha of ha'etz. The Rush uh, gives, uh, the Rush says that actually the taste, he says, is better when you do it as a soup, when you do it as a juice. If you take a, a fruit and you just squeeze it for the juice, you're going to lose a lot of flavor and taste. But if you cook the fruit inside water, that water will actually have, that, that taste will be more similar to the taste of the actual food itself. Meaning, when you, again, when you extract the juice, says the rush, you lose a lot of the taste and flavor. But if you cook the fruit or vegetable inside water, I don't know, for whatever reason, then the water is going to have taste more similar to the fruit. That's what he says. So it's a little hard to believe that, that when you squeeze juice, the taste is less than when you cook. And some say no. That really the chilek over here is between soup and a juice. He says, when you take a fruit and you make it into juice, what, what is it? That's a drink. When you take water and you cook a vegetable, what's that? That's a soup. Meaning one is achila and one is shtiya. One is eating and one is drinking. So the maid desoka, which is again, is more of a soup. So that's achila. So if it's something achila, then it's similar to the peri. You also eat the fruit. So because you're eating the fruit, in a way of a soup, therefore the bach will be bar pri so bar v'dama. But fruit juice, which you made into a shtiya, and it's not an achil, then it actually loses its bracha. Tosot asked this question. And Tosa just says, yesh l'chalik. You could differentiate. Tosa doesn't say what the differentiation is. So he, 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 he means one of these three answers. Or so it's orange juice nowadays is still going to be shakal because of the rush. Because the rush says that the reason why juices are always shakal because they lose a lot of their flavor and it's not like cooking. So if not for the rush, if we only had the rajba, then we wouldn't make ha'etz on orange juice. Uh, the problem is coffee. But let's continue. Coffee really should be ha'etz. It's, very, uh, it's a big question. Because coffee, everything is made for our coffees, right? I mean, so let's, what? But it's not, no, no, coffee shock. Continues the Gemara. Bay Rav Papa, Rav Papa asked, Maya de Shifta, what's that lacha? What's Shifta? So it seems like it's dill. 
Okay, shifta is dill. So you did the same thing. So in other words, and you put it into a dish. So avdi. Do we say again? It seems like there was already a dish um, that you were cooking, and you added the dill and you cooked the dill along with everything else. So do we say that as hadama or shakal limtuke time avdi? Do we say that you did it to add taste? Oh la vure zuamba Oh no, you didn't put in the, the dill for taste. You put in the dill just to avoid the other, I don't know, negative odors in this uh, dish, meaning is dill an actual food or not. So Tashma, so we learned in a Braita, when a Mishnah Hashavas, Mishnasana once dill gives off a taste into a pot, Mishum Truma, then it doesn't have a truma, meaning the stock itself loses its status as truma because all the taste uh, came out of it. And now it's just like a, Rashi says, like eight almost just like a tree. It lost all status of food. So we see from here that, in other words, from the fact that it says, Rashi says, from the fact that the Baita says, once it gives off taste, so we see that that's the purpose of a dill. So we see that it's, therefore the bracha will be on this dill that's added to the dish. Fine. Now, now we're going to a whole new sugya regarding a bread. Bread, and what, what about bread? Bread, the bracha is of course at Motzi Lechem and Aretz. The question is, what's the proper way to make a bracha on bread? Is it when it's complete or even when it's cut into pieces? Let's see if two pieces of bread in front of you, one is whole and one is not complete. Um, you know, which... What's the halacha? So, Amr Chiyah Barashi. The first statement is a bit unclear. We'll try to clarify it as best as we can. Pat sinuma bika'ara levachnallah hamotzi. Right? So, if you have bread that's tsinuma. Now, what is bread that is tsinuma? Anyone know what this word means? So, so, so we actually have in, in Bereshit, right? What does the Pasuk say? Vihine sheva shibalim tsunumot dakot. Right? When it, the, the dreams of Paro. And Yosef, right? Right? Takot kadim. Right? So seven stocks, but right, seven stocks of we wore these seven stocks like so tsinumot means they were like shriveled. So pat tsinuma says the Ramban based on the pasuk of Bereshit that tsinuma means we have like shriveled pieces of bread. So it says bekara on the plate hamotzi. You still make hamotzi. Upligi de and Rabbi argues dom Im past. He says that no, that the bracha, sh- the, the bread should be complete with the blessing, meaning you should only cut the bread at the end of the bracha. Right? As Rashi says, The bracha and the cutting of the bread should come together. And this bread is already cut up. Now, what makes this Gemara confusing is that Tosos points out, everyone agrees that even if you have small pieces of bread, the bracha is going to be hamotzi. So what's the argument? Rav is not arguing and saying that on small pieces of bread you don't make hamotzi. So says Tosa that what happened was is that you had, a, you had a, a full piece of bread in front of you, like a full challah, and then you cut it, and then, and then you made the bracha. And then you made the bracha. So, one second. It's a numa, right. Sorry. You have a, you have, you have a whole challah, and you have another plate of cut up pieces of bread. So Pchia, for some reason, or the first opinion, made the bracha on the cut up pieces of bread, even though he had a full, full challah in front of him. And Reb Chia says, no, Reb Chia says, if you have a full loaf of bread in front of you, it's completed shalim, then even though you could make hamotzi on small pieces of bread, but the whole 
challah has precedence over the cut up piece of bread. Fine. She says, why? Why does it have precedence? Because it's always proper that the cutting of the bread should take place as you conclude the blessing, but it shouldn't take place before you make the blessing. Maskevla Rava, Rava asked the question, why do you not like Because a bracha prusa, you, why don't you like tsunuma? Because by the time you finish the bracha, it's already cut up. She says, According to you that you're cutting the bread as you finish the blessing, then the same thing is going to happen. Right? By the time you finish the bracha, it's already going to be cut up. So what are you gaining? Right? So in other words, what does it help that at the beginning of the bracha, it's shalim? By the end of the bracha, it's also going to be cut up because you said to cut up and then the bracha. So Rava says, what the proper thing to do? Let's turn the page. First you make the blessing, and then you cut it up. And that's obviously what we do. That you always want to make the bracha on a shalim, and you only want to cut it up after you finish the blessing. I think Mar is going to get a little more detailed over here. Itmar, hevil lefneim petitin ushleimin. So you have again a whole piece of bread in front of you, and petitin and small pieces of bread. Amr Ravuna, levarech al haptitin upoter etashleimin. Ravuna seems to say that you could do whatever you want. You don't have to make a bracha on the full one. You could even make a blessing on these small uh, pieces. Rashi says, even, Rashi says that if the small pieces are bigger, right? Rashi seems to say that if the small pieces are bigger, then you're supposed to make a bracha on the smaller pieces. What does that mean, the small pieces? That means it's not smaller. It means it's cut up. So again, you have your full challah, and you have another thing which is cut up. Sorry, which, sorry, which it, it's just, it's just, it's not a whole challah, but it happens to be bigger than the other thing. So like what uh, was saying is, let's say you have a full roll, a small lachmaniyot, but then you have a big challah just in half. So, no, no, that's like, it's just, it's just cut up once, let's say. So you just have half a challah, it was clearly eaten from already. So Rufuna says, that basically what's bigger goes first, even if it's not complete. And if they're equal, then you can do whatever you want. Rabbi Yochanan says, no. You always want to make a bracha on the one that is whole. But if, if you have a half a loaf of wheat, and the one that's complete is made out of barley, wheat we know is better than barley. Why wheat bread is finer, tastier, and more pleasant than barley bread. Therefore, even if you have half a chal of wheat, that's going to take precedence over the whole complete challah of barley. This previous statement, Kitanoi, should be a machloket tanoim. In other words, Rashi says that this is going on uh, the, the wheat and the barley machloket. In other words, no, the wheat and barley statement. This statement that something that is you know, not considered to be as good of a product as the other one, then the better product will go first, even if it's not complete. Kitanoi, this is a machloket tanoim. Tarmin batzel katan shalim, if you're going to decide what to take as truma to give to the Kohen, then you want to give the small onion that's complete more than the half of the large onion. And apparently the large onion was always tastier and better. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like wheat. In other words, this isn't referring to the previous Gemara of half versus whole. This is a half of something which is considered, considered to be better than the other things. So the Batzel Gadol is a better onion. And yet we say that no, you still go after the 
whole onion, even though it's smaller. Rabbi Yehuda says, Loki elachatsi betzel gadol. Rather, you want to take half of the large onion. So according to him, it would seem like you would want to take the wheat, as opposed to the first opinion, you would take the barley. That whatever is better is adiv has precedence. That whatever is complete has precedence. No, says the Gemara. If there's a Kohen, if there's an actual Kohen around and you're giving it to the Kohen, you know, you're, you're separating the Truman and giving it to the Kohen, everyone will agree that Chashev is Adiv, the one that is better, has precedence. When do they argue? The Leica Kohen, when there's no Kohen around. The Tanan, because we learned, Right? When there's an actual Kohen around and you're giving to him, so then you always want to give the Yafa, you want to give what's better. But if there's no coin, and basically you just need a, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to keep it around. The Rashi says, you're going to have to hide it. Again, you're just going to have to keep it around uh, until the coin gets there. You're then, instead of choosing what's better, you choose from something that's going to last. Even in that case, you choose to be torim from what's better. So again, if there's a cone around, you definitely want to give them the better product. If there's no cone around, then it says Rashi that it could be the half of the large onion will actually, because it's bigger, uh, will last longer than the smaller onion. And therefore you want to be mafresh from the large onion, even though it's not complete. Because again, since the cone is not around, you need something that's going to, again, has more, has more kayim, is, is, is more likely to last. Fine. Period. Let's say you want to somehow fulfill the opinion of Rav Huna and Rav Yochanan. Meaning, Rav Huna and Rav Yochanan had a machloket. Rav Huna held that if you have something that's cut up, even if it's bigger, sorry, if it's bigger, that goes before the challah that's whole. Right? So you have a whole challah, which is smaller, versus something that's bigger, but it's not whole. So, let, so according to Rav Yochanan, you take the one that's complete. According to Rav Huna, you take the one that's not complete. So how do you fulfill both opinions? He could fulfill both opinions. How? Umano, and who was that? Marbe de Ravina. The Marbe Ravina, what would he do? He would put the Prusa inside the Shlema. Now the way our Chalas are made, it's a little hard to imagine. Betoch, uh, you know, those days it was probably more Lafa-like, so it's maybe easier to imagine how you could have one challah inside another. But the way it would mean for us, it just means put one underneath another. And you're making the bracha on both of them. And once you make the bracha on both of them, then you could decide what to actually eat. But the, Rashi says either you could cut both of them or you could just cut the big one. The point is that once you have them both in your hands, and you're, you know, you're holding up both of them, then that's called like being botzei. Until now, we were assuming you're only going to pick up one. But once you pick up both, so it's like making the bracha on both of them. We're doing in Shabbat. When the, when uh, so, so what we do in Shabbat, so, um, well, let's see. He, that's the next Gemara. Very good. Tani Tana Kamei Nachan by Yitzchak. He also said that. Menei HaPrusa Besach HaShleim Be'obatzei Nimeka Be'obatzei Mevarach Amalei Mashamecha He asked him what his name was. Amalei Shalman. Maybe Salman. Solomon, he said back to him, Shalomata, right? So he, you know, he did a play on his name. He said, you know, you have brought priests, V'shalma Mishnah Sacha, and you, you, your, your teachings are complete. You put a peace between the students, meaning because we had a dispute, and now you came up with a way to resolve it that we could fulfill all opinions. So because of that, he says your name is very appropriate for this situation. Okay. Amber of Papa. Papa says like this, Pesach. Everyone, right now we're jumping to Pesach. Everyone agrees on Pesach. 
Prusa betoch shleima ubotze, and then you make the bracha. My time alechem oniksev, because the Torah says that you need to have poor man's bread. Therefore, you want to always have a chala or matzah, which is not whole. So what's he saying is that usually Rabbi Yochanan would say that you pick up the whole chala, you pick up the whole matzah, but on Pesach you need to have something that's incomplete. Right? Because we're supposed to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah on poor man's bread. So since you're supposed to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah on poor man's bread, you have to have a prusa. So now why do you have to have a shalim? So because there's something called lechem mishnah. Right? Now there's this two halachot on Seder night. There's one halacha of lechem mishnah. So you also have to have two matzahs. But on that he said, but you also have to have a prusa. You have to have, to, you have, to have the cut up piece of matzah in order to fulfill matzah, poor man's bread, which was never complete. They just, poor men were only able to do what they got their hands on. This is the reason why we do yachatz, right? In the beginning of the series, we say yachatz, and we split them in a matzah. Why do we split them in a matzah? Because we're showing that basically one of the matzahs inside our, you know, our little uh, Cohen Levy straw bag is going to be uh, broken. So why do we have the bottom challah? Why do we have the bottom matzah? So because, ah, so the, basically there's a machloket to be shown him do you fulfill Lechem Mishnah? In other words, are you supposed to have two full matzot for Lechem Mishnah plus a half one for matzah? Or do we say no? The half one that's used for matzah also can be used for your second one for Lechem Mishnah. But that's the reason why we have, uh, again, three matzot. But it's not so simple. Some would hold that two are enough. Amir Abba. Abba says, Ube Shabbat, and on Shabbat, Chayev Adam Karot. On Shabbat, you're supposed to be botzeya on two loaves of bread. This is the idea of Lecha Mishnah, my taima. Again, we're not saying anything about complete versus incomplete. That's separate. We're just saying on t- there has to be two loaves of bread. My taima Lecha Mishnah, because it says Lecha Mishnah, meaning what? What does it mean? Is that we just read this last week that two portions of bread, of man, fell down on Friday. So Omar Rav Ashi, Chazilah of Kana, Sarav Kana did not get tarti. He would pick up two, and he would cut up one. Rav Zera Avi, but a kulish erusa. Rav Zera would cut the amount that he was probably going to eat for the entire meal. I mean, he made a, like he basically cut and he made a very large piece, and it just seems like he ate from that piece. So Amalei Ravina, Rashi, welcome, Mischazik Rav Sinusa. You look like Rav Sinusa. You look like, what's a good way to say this? Like a, what? A wolf. A wolf. Okay, not a, the, the wolf. Yeah, I guess. You look like a wolf. Meaning you look like, um, uh, it's, it's not, it's not you know, proper etiquette to take a large piece and basically just eat from that large piece. So you look like someone who is very hungry, I guess. He says, no, every, everyone knows that when I eat bread, I usually don't do this. The fact that I'm doing it once a week obviously shows that I'm doing it for the purpose of Kavod Shabbat. When they would have bread that was used for Eruv Chatzerot, so they would take the bread that was used for Eruv Chatzerot, even maybe for this Shabbat, because as long as it was around the beginning of Shabbat, that's enough. And they had this thing, right? we, we, use, we say this thing a lot, that since we did one mitzvah with the piece of bread, we want to do another mitzvah. Right? We have this thing by Erev Tavshilin, we say, let's take out the Erev Tavshilin for Lecha Mishnah, right? when we, again, from Yom Tov into Shabbat, we say, let's take it Erev Tavshilin, because since we did one mitzvah with the... With, again, exactly. 
Or, no, 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 if, exactly. On, on Shabbat, we want to use it for Lechem Mishnah. This is the reason for the Lulav Bir Chametz, right? Why do we say the Lulav for Bir Chametz? Again, since we did one mitzvah with it, we want to do another mitzvah. So this thing comes up in a few uh, places. Amar Rav, Rav says, um, he's talking about why you're allowed to interrupt in between your blessing and your eating. Amar Rav, Tal Baruch, Tal Baruch, if you say, you know, you made a bracha, and then you told someone else, go take and, you know, or it means take from the, you know, piece that I just made a bracha on, we don't consider that an interruption. Again, you made a blessing, and before you ate, you spoke and said, you don't have to make another a blessing. But if you say, if you say, bring the salt or bring the dip, that we do consider an interruption. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Bob, we just turned turn the page. So it says, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan says, that if you say Havi Melach, Havi Lifta Nami in Sarkh Levarech, right? That's not considered an interruption. Again, you made a bracha on the bread, then you said, bring the salt. So because that's Tzarech Hasuda, right? It's needed uh, for the bread, we don't consider that an interruption between your blessing and the actual eating of the food. But let's say you said Gvilaturi, Gvilaturi, you reminded your family to go feed the oxen, yeah? Tzarech Levarech. Rav Shesha said, no, even that is not considered an interruption. I feel Gvilaturi, even if you say to feed the oxen before you ate, it's not considered ain't it's It's not considered interruption. Why? You're not allowed to eat before you feed your animals. First, Hashem says, I'm going to place grass in your fields for the animals to eat, and then So the anim- feeding of animals takes place before. Therefore, it's not considered an interruption to say feed the animals before you actually eat your bread, because again, you're, you can't eat your bread until you feed the animals. So Gvila Torah would not be half sick. Okay, let's stop here. Let's stop here. There's a few things. Um, Tosfot says, actually, he says, nowadays we don't actually need salt in our bread. It's, in other words, nowadays it would be an interruption to ask for salt. Because why were they asking for salt? So Tosfot says, the Rashi says they're asking for salt because it added taste. It added taste. But Tosu says that nowadays our bread is like made with salt and there's so much taste in our, in our bread already that, you know, there's no reason to say it. But then he... Ah, so, so then Tosu says that no, that one of the rabbis said it's still good to have salt on the table because he says that when B'nai Israel is sitting around on the table waiting for everyone to wash, it's what happens, you wash, let's say there's 30 people at a meal, you wash and everyone else is washing. So you're just sitting around doing nothing. So right at that moment, the Satan, right, the Satan says to Kaddish, look, you're Jewish, your people are just sitting around doing nothing. They're not learning, they're not talking Torah, they're not doing anything. So therefore we bring salt to the table and say, ah, the Melech will protect us. And Melech, you know, reminds HaKadosh Baruch Hu of the Brit Melech, which is the salt that was added uh, to the Karbanot. So it's a whole like, different reason as to why there should be salt on the table. But uh, here the point is, is that while you're waiting, at least you have the salt to remind the Kaddish Baruch Hu 